This is Midnight Alchemy with your host Jason Allen on the Left Coast Media Network. And now here's Jason. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever and whenever you are. This is Midnight Alchemy and I am your Starship Captain of this episode, Jason Allen. How are you doing? It's great to be back. And we, man, we've got a great episode for you. This is going to be the first of two parts because it's such an awesome interview. We, we wanted to keep it going as long as possible. We'll be talking to Jilly Maria. She is a psychic medium, an intuitive, and an empath. And it's, you know, it's a great interview. Hey, we have our uh, AI intro naming. It's still going on for a couple more weeks. If you would like to decide what the AI dude's name is, you can give us an email at midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com, midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com. All right, without further ado, here is the first part of the interview with Jilly Maria. Hey, we are here with Jilly Maria, and she is an intuitive, an empath, and a psychic medium, and I am excited that she's on. Jilly, how you doing? I am well, thank you. I hope you are. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You bet. Uh, so let's get right in. Let's delve right into the deep end here. Hey, um, when when you were growing up, when did you realize that you had these uh, well, talents? Looking back on it, I was probably seven or eight years old the first time I saw an apparition. Um, I did not realize it was an apparition at the time. I was, I can't remember if the grandma's, if my thing at my grandma's house happened first or the thing at my dad's house, but I'll share them both. So my dad was renting a probably 200 year old farmhouse in the middle of Maine. Mm-hmm. And I had a bedroom that was facing on two hay fields in the backyard. And I looked out my window one night and I saw this little girl in white. They had just plowed the hay fields. I just do what they call haying. And there was this little girl standing in a white nightgown in the middle of the field. And the child in me, because there was no kids my age around, um, wanted to meet her. Mm. And so I remember, I remember vaguely like asking my parents, like, hey, are there my dad, my stepmom, like, hey, are there any, you know, kids my age around or whatever? And da da da. And Mm. like, no, I don't think so, honey. I'm so sorry. Okay. And I didn't really bring it up. And I remember a couple weeks later, we were walking the dog as we were wont to do. Um, they lived on a lake. So there was like a mile and a half dirt path down to the lake, down to the dock. And I remember one night walking with dog and it was dusk and saying, I want to come and see the little girl. And I had, I was tagged with having a very active imagination. And I was also a very lonely little kid. And, um, so I remember, you know, having, I don't remember any details. But I remember having some sort of discussion about, you know, again, and it was like, there's no kids around here. Like the nearest house to our house was like a mile and a half to the right. If you were facing the house down the road and she didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, I kind of let that go. And I remember sub- second, separate incident rather. Being at my grandma's house, and I was she had a, like a 150-year-old house as well um, in northwestern Wisconsin. And I remember standing on the landing of her house, and there was a gentleman that had to be like six foot something. Now, I'm like probably like four feet tall at this point. <laughs> and uh, he was dressed in a formal suit and top hat. And I had no idea who he was. Um. Like the men in my family, even like my grandpa, I think my grandpa would wear like, you know, a nice button down shirt to her church. So I was not familiar with like three piece suits and all. I was like, I know who it was at my grandpa, but no idea. And I saw this person clear as day. And then I got called downstairs and I, and they disappeared. Oh, wow. And I would years later ask, and my grandma would, you know, before she passed away, she'd say something to the effect of, you know, it was probably so-and-so that built the house. Okay. I would realize probably in the last 10 years or so that I have been this way all my life. 
that I have seen um, images. I have, I am very clear audience, which if you're not familiar is clear, uh, clear audience. Like you can hear things that some people would describe it as like a dog whistle, but it's like, I will hear conversations that are happening, but they're not happening in this realm. Right. Um, and I also tend to hear things like that, um, like more than I should really. <laughs> um, yeah. but it's in a, again, sometimes it's in a, you're in a space of, um, it can be overpowering. And if you don't know, I mean, I found out as a audience in a really strange way. I had just signed up for a class. Mm. It was probably like 10, 10 30 at night. And I was as always being the last minute person that I am. And I remember reaching out to the instructor and saying, Hey, I just had this really weird experience. I thought there was a party going on outside my door. I opened the door. There's nobody there. I looked down the landing. There's not a soul in the parking lot. Nowhere. Wow. And, um, she messaged she's like i just saw your message she's like no no that's your clear audience and i'm like oh okay so i started reading because most of us have heard of clairvoyance mm -hmm. which is clear seeing and so most people are like oh i always want to see how be clairvoyant so i can you know see the future and you know and you know it's my strongest two glyphs gifts are clear audience which is clear hearing and clear sentience, which is clear feeling. So it's like chills, goose flesh, that sort of thing. Yeah. And sometimes my head will tingle. Um, but I feel like, you know, my experiences as I've come into my mediumship, as I've accepted it, mm -hmm. have gotten clearer and they've gotten stronger. And I was, one of my favorites was, I was on St. John, U.S. Virgin Islands, before... The, the twin hurricanes that, demo, you know, yeah. took out the island. Um, and they have rebuilt back and beautifully so. Um, but my stepdad and I went to this place called Camille Bay. And it used to be a very exclusive, like, high-end resort in the on-season. Um, like, very rich people would spend, like, $20,000 for, like, a couple days in this very exclusive, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. And it also had the ruins of a sugar plantation oh, yeah. on it. And I love ruins and historic homes. Right. And so, you know, he says, you want to go for a hike? Sure, I'd love to. So we're, and we're the only ones there because it's the off season. It's not the on season yet. So we walk down and I'm just, you know, walking around these ruins and I'm just not minding my own. And taking some pictures and just hiking and, you know, we're enjoying ourselves and whatnot. And uh, all of a sudden I feel this arm on my hand, like, you know, like, come with me. Yeah. And I've got my eyes open and I'm like, okay, there's no one. Like, clearly like, okay, go. And I'm in the midst of these runes, which used to be a sugarcane processing plant. Mm -hmm. And some interesting history on USVI and St. John specifically, if you're not familiar, is they used to manufacture, they used to grow and manufacture sugarcane. And the enslaved people would work these plantations. And a manager or overseer would live on St. John. And the people that owned them, the owned the plantations, would live on St. Croix or St. Thomas. Gotcha. Yeah. And so... I am on this, these rooms, and what's left essentially is some of the walls, uh, wooden steps, and the copper kettles that they used to use to um, take sugar. This like when you when you press a sugar cane, a stalk of sugar cane, you express from it liquid sugar cane. And then you get enough of it that you are putting it into a copper kettle. It's probably about three to five feet wide, probably about a foot deep. And you are then heating it. And there's four of them. So it's going from, they're doing different things over the end. This is a, back in the day, this was a 24 hour operation. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were constantly in very high, hundreds of degrees, 
very hot conditions. Um, and so you would be taking the sugarcane from like a certain liquid and then depending upon what you were doing with it, whether you were creating mash, molasses, liquid sugarcane in order to make alcohol, rum, and so on and so forth, you were, it had different things in, that you were doing. So this woman was grabbing my arm and she was telling me, you can help us. And so I went with her and I knew I was safe because I always said the intention just as a course of my life that I'm always safe and I'm never working with dark energies. And so I proceed forward and this woman, and now at this point, I'm basically dimension hopping. So I'm at that point, it's, I think, I think we went there in 2016, 20, yeah, 2016. And as I'm in this space helping her, I can't hear anything that's going on in 2016. And so she is walking me up to these people and I have no idea what I look like, how I'm presenting to them, et cetera. Not, couldn't tell you if you paid me. But I do know that she's telling them that, and they're all men except for her. They're all men. And she's saying she can get us out of this, out of here. So essentially their energy got stuck. Yeah. There. And that's not uncommon because a lot of times when, even when the body, the human body dies, Mm -hmm. if we're familiar with this place with jail or with the insane asylum or the, house right. that we were in or whatever we will stay there because that's what we know is comfortable gotcha yeah no matter how the human was treated if the energy only knows this space that that's known yeah and we're not past they have no idea they're not judging it they're just saying this is a known space to me so my spirit is gonna my energy is gonna stay right here and so she said you can clear she that you know can you help us and clear them so i'm having dialogues which i other than to say, do you want to be clear? I don't remember anything else that happened. Other than that, I am sending them to another realm. And so I'm walking along and, you know, she's asking them, do you want to go? She can help us if you want to leave here and, you know, go. Like, you're not going to get hurt. It's very safe to do. Go. So I'm clearing all these people. And I don't remember if I was walking along or anything. I just remember like it was very hot. I remember the orange fire. I remember, um, and again, this is not a memory process. So like the flashes that I have of it are like stored pieces that are not a function of memory, which is hard for me to explain because I'm saying I remember it, but I don't have another word for it to give you. So I remember you know, seeing the fire and seeing like the, the um, reflections of the fire and seeing the whole like building built and, you know, seeing these men like really arduous, like, like sweating and just, yeah. you know, doing all the things and my saying, you know, do you want to go? Do you want to, do you want me, do you want me to yeah. um, cross you? And nobody said no. And I crossed them all. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden I could hear. And then, you know, I, she wanted to get crossed as well. So I crossed her. And that's when it, like, broke. And I yeah. could hear my stepdad, like, say, calling my name, calling my name, calling my name. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I've been trying to call, like, a freaking. I'm like, where would I go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I get why he was like, I wasn't answering. So he was worried. And so, you know, I was like, like, well, I'm like, I, and I don't even remember what I, if I said anything to him or whatever, I just, you know, um, my parents do know that I'm in my gifts, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes, I mean, they're better at it now, but like back in 2016 or so, like I was still just like having these experiences of being like, okay, what, you know, (laughs) what's going on? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to be in the space of realizing that you realm hop, that you timeline hop, and that you, you know, these things can happen. And 
I was in a situation probably 2018, 2019, if I'm guessing, I don't remember the exact time, but a woman, I was going to, would go to a crystal shop in, in Raleigh, Durham in North Carolina. And I would hang out and just, you know, I loved crystals and I loved, you know, the eclectic mix of people that would come in. <laughs> and, uh, there was a woman that walked in and, you know, I introduced myself and, you know, just said, you know, can we help you with anything? And she was like, um, yeah, I'm looking for selenite and knowing what selenite is and what it's, you know, what, so, okay, what do you, if I may, what are you using it for? And so she tells me that she's, uh, wanting to protect a house. And I said, okay, you know, and my spidey senses told me that there was more to it. So I said, you know, yeah. May I ask for details? And I introduced her and more on what told her what I do because I don't normally have people walk. Yeah, you know, I don't normally walk up to people and go, "I'm a psychic medium." And I talk to dead people. Not my- <laughs> right? Hi, I'm Julie, psychic medium. Yeah. Yeah. No, I normally don't do that. And so <laughs> I introduced myself, told her who I was, and I said, "I'm getting the notion that you have not to try to scare you, but I'm getting the notion of something attached to you. Have you ever visited?" Or do you live in an old house? So she then tells me that she is, her brother just passed away. And she has his house that she's trying to decide what to do. That's in Oxford, North Carolina. And that it used to be a civil war hospital. Oh boy. Yeah. Which is very, very where, where I am in North Carolina, North Carolina was actually a, a bisecting area between north and south even though you know working everything from you know like that the mason dixon line on south but the reality of it is there's a lot of skirmishes and battles in north carolina and virginia so you had a lot of houses that just became battlefield hospitals because that's where they were so they would knock on the door and be like hey we have someone you know whatever it happened back then Mm. and so it's just a very common thing to you know, bring soldiers to random people's houses and they had no idea whose house or whatever. They were just like the nearest house, the nearest person that's going to have like, assuming that everybody had the same like a dress they could tear up or a shirt they could tear up as a tourniquet or whatever, you know, hot water, all the things to, you know, they could boil water, you know, on a, on, in the fire for us and, you know, help a brother out, so to speak. <laughs> and so she said, yeah. And I said, um, would you like me to clear you of those? And so her brother stepped forward and, you know, gave her a message and whatnot. And then she, uh, you know, I said, you've got a lot of Civil War soldiers attached to you. And so I ended up clearing, well, I ended up clearing one who was into, in particular, was content, very cantankerous. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, didn't have anything to apologize for, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And... To be clear, I'm never looking for them to apologize. I do give people the opportunity, especially if their energy is funky, to say something before I do. And so I ended up clearing approximately 250 soldiers from her energy. Wow. Yeah. And I said, it is not uncommon for, and it was like, you know, did I do something wrong? No. It's very con- we are all energy we are all physics is energy right so we are all energy and if we are open if we are empaths it is not uncommon for us to take on energy not even knowing we're doing it mm. and so i you know when she left you know she said we came in here trying to just screw around and waste some time and she's like you completely changed my life like this whole thing so i told her how to anchor energy and do all those things and protect her house and you know, what I was getting is idea about like, you know, you're not supposed to sell the house. However, your brother's not going to be upset if you do. Like if you do decide that you just don't want to handle it, you know, no harm, no foul. Yeah. And so, you know, when she left, the owner of the crystal shop was like, can you explain to me what, you know, what's going on? And so I told him like what I did and whole thing. And you know, one of the things about being intuitive and being a medium and being in this, in the healing arts and being in this realm is I take it very seriously. Like we have fun, right? Like there's sometimes like people are silly, like dead people. Like it's amazing how when the body separates from the soul, 
-hmm. how people's personalities stay with them. Yeah. Like yeah. how people choose to keep their personalities and the things that people think that they've done quote unquote wrong versus the things that they want loved ones to know. Like when I first started being a medium, I thought it was going to be one thing because of all the experiences I had with other mediums, you know, and it wasn't that I'd gone to sessions, but it's like when you see like John Edwards crossing over or you see like Teresa Caputo and all these other people over the years that I've just seen clips and pieces and, you know, and having this expectation of what's it going to be like and like realizing what I was doing and what was going on. I was never scared of it. I was always fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I thought, okay, you know, I have these gifts and I get to be a steward. And I feel like a lot of people don't open up because they're so scared of like, what happens next? Or we have these notions from all of us who've grown up. I mean, I grew up Catholic. And so a lot of times we have these notions that you, you know, you're playing in divination, you're playing with the <laughs> devil and da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But again, yeah. it's a choice of how you step into energy, right? And how you allow yourself to be present. And I've told people, you know, I, you know, I also, you know, I also read houses and going into people's houses. I've had many people say, I need you to not conjure. I'm like, no, that is not a function of what I do. Now, have I had energy step forward because they know I can hear them and communicate with them? Yes. But that is a different thing than the notion of like, let's see what trouble we can get. No, <laughs> not, not interested in that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to remember too, is that human beings are, you know, when you take the, clarity of the soul and you separate it from the human being yeah a lot of times you have a whole different experience sure. and a lot of people you know when i tell people i'm like well if we could get if we could be as humans get out of the way <laughs> you know just let our soul do it like if we could just trust our soul that it's going to take us where it needs to take us and it's interesting because you know, I've lost a couple of people that are very close to me and having conversations with them and saying, you know, you know, what's going on with this person? What's going on with this situation? And, you know, experiencing them as a soul versus as the human. Yeah. And when they're in a space where they're like, that person's going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And if I've learned anything, it's that that person is going to do what they're going to do. And you are, you know, Stop wasting your time and energy trying to manipulate and just be in the space of we are where we are. Because so often, I think as humans, we want what we want, right? right? We really want what we want. And I've had people, you know, over the years say, oh, I want to go experience a haunted house with you. And I'm like, haunted houses, frankly, bore me. <laughs> okay. Because I feel, you know, here's the thing is, when you're in a space of, like, I like, I like November 1st better than October 31st. Mm -hmm. Because in Spanish, in, in Mexican, in, in Hispanic cultures, it's the Day of the Dead. Right. And they go to cemeteries and they have parties and celebrate their dead. And in the Catholic Church, it's, you know, it's... um it's the same thing. It's, you know, the day, it's the day of the dead and it's all souls day. And so you go and you are in prayer and remembrance for those you've lost sure. where I feel like October 31st is, you know, and I, I understand, like I've read up on like why Halloween costumes exist and all that. I get it all, mm -hmm. but I feel like our culture over time has weaponized. Yeah. Dead people, death, um, ghosts, haunted houses. And when I see, like, there's a page that I follow, you know, several pages that I follow on old houses, right, on Facebook and, you know, IG. And people will go, oh, I bet that one's haunted. I'm like, listen, any house that has energy in it is going to have energy in it. Right. If you've never, if you don't, if the person 
or people that have lived there don't know how to smudge a house. They don't know how to clear and ground energy. Yeah, it's going to have energy. In it. Yeah. And we didn't know back in the day. We didn't know anything about like clearing a house of dead energy. Sure. And a lot of times, like, in, you know, Catholicism specifically, you know, the notion of like, oh, you need to do an exorcism. Like, why don't you just clear the house? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just clear the house. Like, I can, like, and it's like, I'll have people that will reach out to me and say, do I have anything attached to me? And I can, and it's crazy the things that people will tell people. And especially people are like, oh, well, for $395, I'll clear yeah. your energy and da da da. And I sit there going, ew. And they'll go, do I have energy on me? I'm like, um, no. Because <laughs> I can tell almost instantaneously if someone's got something going funky going on, yeah. because I will be in a space. And I've gotten like so fine tuned to it now that I will feel like nauseous. Like I'll feel like like either nauseous or like a gut punch. And I am very rarely nauseous. Mm. And so if I feel like something's like it immediately makes me you know, stop and go, okay, what's out of sync? Yeah. Like what's going on? Because I suddenly feel like, oh, and I'm like, okay, stop a second and let's figure this out. But it's very, very rare that, and I'm not saying it's rare that people have an entity attached to them because we have energy attached to us all the time. But again, people use the different words interchangeably sure. when in reality it's, you know, if I'm in a public place, the chances I'm going to have someone's energy attached to me are pretty high. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a place now where it's like, I'll clear ground and protect my energy before I even go. Like I go out my front door and it's automatic. I can set the intention that just put me in a little bubble, protect my energy, ground me, I'm done. And yeah. then if I'm in a space where like, say I go to a concert or say I go to a bar and there's lots of people, I'll do it again manually. But I'm in a space where, you know, connecting in with people who've passed away is one of my favorite things to do. Connecting in with houses and being able to honor the craftsmanship. And it's part of one of the things I love about old houses is yeah. I used to be in new construction. So I know how a house gets built now built now versus back in the day sure. yeah and knowing how all those pieces like the craftsmanship and telling people like you know they were actually craftsmen back then like hand hewing logs to put into you know make the foundation of your house getting you know having to hand mix the mortar and having to actually make you know nails yeah. out of steel and all those pieces that came together and so you know, when people are like, oh, let's demolish this house and it, my heart gets upset because one, it's history that that happened in the house. But it's also those craftsmen who built that house, their legacy exists because of that house. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things that I feel, you know, a particular responsibility, not that there's a lot I can do a lot of times because there's a lot of times when it's not my house, it's not my thing. I can say what I can say. But I feel like we, especially now in 2023, mm -hmm. we don't appreciate history. No, not at and all. We've actually been yeah. taught, you know, especially in the U.S., we've been taught that if you don't like it, if it doesn't look good, sound good, whatever, erase it, demolish it, get rid of it. Right. And I always want to say, okay, yeah, but the energy is not going to go anywhere. So if you're in a space where, for example, you demolish an old house that slavery happened in as an example yeah the energy of all those people stays right there sure like you can build a new house but you're still going to have the energy in it. yeah and you know i feel like a lot of times we get into spaces where and i you know end up telling people you know we try to be in this place of cancel culture if you will and i end up saying to people okay but let's just say that you stole a pack of gum when you were five and you're now 30 you have this memory that you stole a pack of gum when you were five. Sure. Does chopping off your hand do anything for that store? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it you know, it doesn't. If you wronged somebody, if you cheated on a test, if you cheated on your spouse, if you, you know, when someone was alive, you had a spouse and they were very sick and they passed away. Yeah. And you remarry. You can you can buy your new spouse a hundred dozen roses. It doesn't do crap 
for the person that passed away in that relationship. Like that, all that has to go on through and be grieved and dealt with and so on. And so a lot of times we forget that, you know, one of the best things about being a medium and being able to communicate with people who've passed on is getting those lessons and really coming into an intrinsic understanding of, you know, how you can, if you did something wrong, how you can do it better. Right. Right. You know, um, I've had the privilege and the honor of communicating with people who've lost people and they, or have, you know, had things happen where I had one a couple of years ago where there was a woman that reached out to me and she said, I know you through so-and-so. And I said, okay, cool. She said, um, you know, we just lost a family member and I had to make the decision to pull the plug. And I, you know, said, I'm so sorry that I can't imagine having to be in that position. Yeah. And she said, I know that you're really expensive and da, da, da. at the time I think I was like charging my like $33 for half an hour, which I'm nowhere near that at this point. But the point of fact is, is, you know, she was like, I just need this one question answered and you know, so on. And the person stepped forward, like before I even had a chance to like, to, you know, and said, you know, no, you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. No regrets. Uh, I was suffering. I was in, I was, I was not, you honored my wish. Mm-hmm. And this person, like, all of a sudden just, like, didn't know me from Adam and completely, um, you know, just burst into tears, like, and I said, how long have you been holding that in for? And she's like, since they passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And it had been like two or three months. And she just was like, I didn't know what else to, like, what do you do? Right, right. And I said, you know, the hardest part of all of this is that, you know, we get to honor other people's voices Mm -hmm. and being able to be in a space where I can, for example, say their name, where I can, I'm very, very big on saying people's names and all those things. And I encourage it strongly because, you know, again, love never dies. I tell people all the time, you know, grief is love inverted. If you had huge love for somebody, you're going to have big grief. That's just how it is. And so I, and the thing is a lot of us numb, a lot of us, you know, we, and when I tell people like, Oh, I think they're fine. I'm like, well, here's the thing is you wouldn't know and you wouldn't know what to do with it. So you're deciding that they're fine because you don't know what to do. Right. And I'm not bagging on a person. Let me be very clear. I'm never bagging on somebody for not knowing what to do. But, you know, a friend of mine a couple of years ago lost her husband. And she was both her, you know, everybody was still alive. So, and both sets of parents had been married for like 40 years. Yeah. So not, and none of them, you know, a couple of them had had, you know, various experiences that brought them close to losing the other. But the fact of the matter is, is her her parents and her in-laws were still alive. Mm. And she went into a pretty serious spiral. And I had reached out to her at one point and said, hey, can I do anything to support you? And she was like, no, but thank you. And so I was just, okay, not much I can do. And, um, you know, when she... What started, you know, when she realized she was an alcoholic, when she realized that she was doing all kinds of craziness and, you know, she was not there for her children, et cetera, et cetera. She almost, she was in a very, she was very lucky is what it boils down to. But she had a really hard time because, you know, her, her, her parents had reached out and said, you know, um, they had heard about me from a mutual friend and, could I help them? And could I help their daughter? And whatnot. And I said, you know, she has to want help. She has to realize that she has to stop and grieve her husband. Yeah. And that's a really hard conversation a lot of times with people because we feel like we have, we're taught that, you know, I think that we get this messaging that if we're, if we start grieving someone, we let them go. And my experience of that is the more that I grieve, the closer they get. Yeah. Because here's the thing is you are like a, most people know what an avocado looks like. So for the, those of you who need a visual, you're the avocado pit. 
And as you start to, or an onion, depending upon how you want to look at it, but a visual, okay? So as we start feeling our grief, our anguish, our anger, our rage, our sadness, our, I need you here, et cetera, et cetera. We start peeling those layers. We start getting to the pit, the core. So the gap goes from being like this. Yeah, yeah. To this and to being in the space of, like people always say to me, I lost my best my best friend in 2016. And people will say, you know, God, you see ladybugs and cardinals a lot. And I'm like, because I've done real deep grief work so that I can almost on demand say, hey, I need you to show me a visible sign that you're around or that you okay, you're okay with this. And I will see a cardinal or a ladybug almost instantly. Wow, yeah. And so, but I've gotten to a point where I'm acceptance that she passed away. I, and I have signs almost daily. And a lot of people, because again, we're so afraid that if we grieve, we're so afraid to touch that anger, that sadness, that deep grief. And like, we're never going to stop crying. Yep. And I feel like one of the gifts I have as a medium is that I've talked to so many dead people at this point that for me, it's the same message over and over and over again, you know? I am fine. I am well. I want you to grieve so that you can move on healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, I want you, yes, I want you to remarry, but I want you to remarry someone that you love. Yeah. Someone that is not a stopgap, right? Um, And a lot of people do. A lot of people remarry a stopgap. They remarry somebody who puts up with their crap and their manipulations and their coercions and all the, like all their denial yeah. But here's what I know for sure about emotion. There's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. So on the one half of the spectrum, you have the what I call the love-based emotions. Yep. So joy, bliss, contentment, etc. And then we have the other half of the spectrum, what I call the fear-based emotions. Mm-hmm. Sadness, grief, disappointment, melancholy, shame, guilt, yeah. grief, all those things. And so what I know for sure is that if you have not felt through all of the fear-based emotions, if you're shutting out the fear-based emotions, you are also shutting out the love-based emotions. Right, right. Because the wall that you have up doesn't go, oh, that's love, let it in. Right. Oh, that's bliss, let it in. Oh, that's joy. Okay, we can open up a little tiny bit and let that in. Sure. It's like, oh, that's emotion. <laughs> and you have an eight, you, you're emotionally, you have an eight foot wall up. Right. right. And until you start to go, oh God, this, and I've had people, you know, three, five, 10, 15, 20 years after a death, be in massive crisis and go, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, so when was the, when were you going to deal with this death? And they'll go, what do you mean? And I'll say this death, that's, I don't, I don't even have to know who it is. All I know is that what I'm feeling is that the emotion leading is anger. Yeah. I'm like, anger, sadness is bodyguard. Sadness is guilt, grief, and shame's bodyguard. Right. So when we say we have an anger management problem, people go, oh, so-and-so just has an anger. No, they don't. We don't have to manage our emotions. We got to feel them. When you feel all the way through your anger, you will come into sadness. When you right. come all the, when you come into sadness, you will move through that, and it's not going to be like, oh, phew, I'm through the anger. Never have to do that again because you will feel anger. That's human be- That's humanness. But when you learn how to deal with it correctly, the pariah part of it stops, mm-hmm. right? So you get into the space where you're no longer like, oh God, I can't feel that. No, you're in the space of oh. I'm experiencing anger. And what I will tell my clients is, okay, notice how I just said it. Because a lot of times we go, oh, I'm angry. I'm so angry. I'm like, okay, I don't want you to embody anger because if anger becomes who you are, then you're like, oh, I have to slice. We're back to, I have to slice off my hand again. Yeah. Well, I don't want to let go of the anger. Who am I without my anger? As opposed to you're a human being with emotions. Right. I'm experiencing anger. Okay. Tell me all about it. You know, and people are like, you're making fun of me. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to get you into the realization of what does your anger look like? Sure. What does it feel like? What is, does it taste like metallic in your mouth? 
is it like if you imagine as a ball in front of you is it drippy is it hard is it black is it gray is it what is it doing is it fluffy is it like it itch you're itchy all of a sudden because when you're able to do that you get into a space like oh it's just anger oh i'm experiencing anger okay something's out of alignment yeah what's the sadness i'm afraid to feel because you go through all and then as you start spiraling through that you start letting it sloughs off by itself yeah so when you start going the space of like oh i have sadness okay and as you move through and you start and you get into grief and it's like oh i'm never gonna and i'm like no you will because the more that you allow yourself to feel deep grief and i've had this had you know and the thing is is like dealing with people who as you feel that deep grief you start bouncing back to bliss right you start coming back to contentment sure. you start coming back to joy because a lot of us don't even know what joy feels like right we have no experience of love or joy so you get into that space of like what how, i'm like so you create your own and sure. people will say i don't have any idea like how would you do that i'm like well what's a song that makes you smile Get in your car, go on Pandora, go on YouTube, whatever, bring up that song and sing at the top of your lungs. Yeah. If you're in a space where you feel angry, like one of the things I encourage my clients to do is I'm like, get in your car. And I'm like, and if you're afraid, the first time you do it, I almost want to encourage you to go sit in a parking lot and have your car and park and do it, do it that way so that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to hurt anybody. But someplace where like, you're, if you're sitting in a parking lot, no one's going to be like, oh, what is she doing in a parking lot? Or he doing in a parking lot by themselves? No. Like go into a Walmart parking lot where there's people around, you know, a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening and just, you know, turn up the music and just grab your steering wheel and scream. Mm. Like you are rocking out. Like just scream. Because here's the thing. When you release your, when you release your jaw, we hold anger in our jaw. Yeah. So we start like screaming. You release all that energy. Sure. Yeah. And you start to feel everything else. And that's one of the things, you know, again, going back to, you know, being a medium and, you know, getting to talk to dead people is, you know, the common thing is I wish the person would allow themselves to feel whatever they feel. Right. You I wish they would stop getting stuck and move forward. Right. You know, us humans, it, it, we're always leading that exterior life, right? And so we don't take the time or we just ignore what we're always feeling because, you know, you got to press ahead and move on. Mm-hmm. But you never uh, you never release that energy and it always follows you around. And um, that this leads into another question for you. What do you do when you run into somebody? I, I, I've always said that uh, whether it's joy or anger, it's it's an emotion. Right. What do you do with those who are indifferent? Because to me, indifference, I mean, that is so dangerous because you feel nothing. And how are you going to process or anything if you just shut it down? Um, Generally speaking, to be very honest with you, I think I'm at the point in my life where I, I used to be, I used to see indifferent people as a challenge. But I'm in a space now where you can't rescue someone who doesn't want to be rescued. You can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And if someone is in a space where they are in their anger and they just, they're good. They're good in their anger right now. Like, and I actually talked to someone about six months ago who was posting stuff all over Facebook and I knew her as a Facebook friend and whatever. And I reached out to her and I said, Hey, how can I support you? And, you know, she saw my message and I'm like, I'm headed to bed, but you know, if I can do anything to support you, I'm around tomorrow, blah, 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 whatever. And she saw my message, but didn't say anything. And she was on her page, um, really looking for attention, you know, being in her victimhood and just everybody else was, you know, victim piling with her and just, you know, um, you know, they were all in the same space, like, oh, poor thing, I'm so sorry, that really sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she would, a couple hours later, unload on me in Messenger. Hmm. And, you know, you have no, I mean, and here's the thing. I've been dealing with this long enough that I don't take it any of it personally. Right. But I saw her message, and I, and I know, like, if I know 
generally speaking, like someone's a night owl or whatever, I will look at messages when I know they're sleeping and then mark them as unread. Mm. So like, if I know that there's nothing I can do for you and you just need to like vomit, like, I'll just be like, okay, you vomit. I'll dump out the bucket and keep going. And so I read her whole thing. It was this whole long, like four paragraph diatribe. And, you know, you this and you that and da, 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 and, you know, and she didn't know enough of my history to like have any idea. And again, I'm not taking any of it personally, which is one of the keys. Because when you find someone who's indifferent, they are in a space of numbness. Yeah. And the only, you know, I've had people reach out to me before and say, what do you do if someone's indifferent? I'm like nothing. And it will be, it isn't anymore, but it used to be one of the hardest things for me because I so desperately wanted to be like, listen, it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. I promise it's not that hard. Like it's going to hurt for, it's going to really suck for a minute. But once you like have that initial like out, like once you drain the boil and you get like, you get salve on it and you get it wrapped up, you know, you take, you get Advil and you keep ahead of the meds. You're going to be okay. Like it's going to suck for a day or two, but then it's going to be totally fine. You're going to live through it. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, I had that happen like five years ago. (laughs) <laughs> but we our brain wants to avoid pain at all costs mm-hmm. so nowadays if i notice i usually honestly am pulled away from people who are different like i will know intuitively like that person's different you're not gonna like just leave it alone yeah. and so i will either send love or send right gear just pray for them and not even share not even say anything and just be like boop, noticing you and keeping right on going because like you said they're numb and they don't want to do anything about it. And is that hard? Yes. But I also acutely know that people have to get to a space of cracking in some way. Yeah. I'm always prayerful that in, and intending that if people crack, they do so, or when people crack, it's not if, when, that they are like, I want you to have the car accident where you're like, like, it's a very minor tap. Everybody gets out of the car and puts their emergencies on for four seconds. You go, oh, I didn't get any damage. You didn't get any damage. Let's exchange information. You're good. I'm good. You're good. We're good. And keep going. As opposed to the car accident where it's like, you're not paying attention. You're stopped. And there's this massive, like, it totals the cars and the whole bit. I don't ever want someone to go through that physically or emotionally. Sure. But I also realize that I've also come to realize that people are going to have their car crash when they have their car. And I always hope, you know, and one of my energy mentors years ago had said, there's three ways things can happen. The whisper, the two by four and the car crash. Yeah. So the whispers, you're getting the notion, like you might see the same commercial, like over and over and over again, or you might get a notion that you keep feeling like, I need to check that out. I need to do this. I need to do that. That's the whisper. That's like, and some of us are finally in tuned enough. We're like, yeah, I need to go check that out. Some of us need the two by four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, where it's like your boss calls you into their office and goes, Hey, you know, what's going on with you? Like you're yelling at everybody and customers are complaining and your business is suffering and what's going on. Like, Hey, wake up, you know, or, you know, I, as one of my friends has had literally happened, like she's gotten back. She is like the most accident prone person I know that she's literally like banked herself with a two by four and, you know, or she'll be like, Oh, and she'll be doing something and not realize that she's got low clearance. And all of a sudden it's like, and it, you know, knocks her in the head, literally. And then you have the car crash and that can be literal or that can be, your spouse filing for divorce. Yeah. That can be you getting a DUI. That can be you being in a space of, um, you know, for a friend of mine a couple of years ago, it was her kid getting into a car accident. And then on the way to the hospital, no, she got into, she got into a skiing accident at a ski resort. And then on the way to the hospital, <laughs> um, the roads were icy and they slid off the road and got into a car accident so she's got two massive things happening mom's about five hours away and they're like there's no way you're gonna get here everything is snow is is snow covered and slippery and blah blah blah, and whatever 
you know, we've called, you know, and the you know, EMS is like, hey, you know, we've got her, we're taking care of her, we're gonna get her to the hospital, da da da. You can you can't there's no way you're getting here today unless we airlift you and we're not gonna we can't lift airlift you without a patient in tow, we cannot airlift. And so that ended up being a crisis for somebody where it's like, I can't be near my kid. My kid has two sets of injuries going on. Her friend is injured. The car is totaled. I'm like six hours away. I can't, you know, it's like, what are we doing? But again, everybody has their own stubbornness, if you will. And again, it goes back to your conversation about indifference, mm -hmm. right? Where if we're in a space, I'm not going to feel any emotion. I, and again, how many of us also have been taught either if you don't stop crying, give you something to cry about. So we all learn not to cry, not to feel any emotion because we don't want to physically get hurt. We don't want to be abandoned or stiff upper lips, shoulders back, boobs out, shove it under the rug. We'll deal with it later. Yeah. And then 30 years later, you still haven't dealt with it. You still are in the pits of resentment. You're still stuck in your career whatever's going on in life and you're like yeah and then you realize you have no tools and that's the other part of it is a lot of us don't want to do our work because we either don't have tools we don't know where to start or we have no support sure. those are the three most common things is people will go well i know i have work to do but i don't have any, like i have no one to commiserate with in my like everybody in my family is either an alcoholic or an addict of some variety or you know, everybody in my family weaponizes, you know, anger, emotions, whatever. Everybody, you know, uses shame and guilt and whatever to deal with life as, or we gossip all day long, or we, everybody in my family, you know, is, um, you know, high power lawyers. One of my friends years ago, everybody in her family was a high power lawyer and all the kids had either gone to law school or medical school because they had an endowment from grandpa. So he had given basically every kid $250,000 with the stipulation that they go to a good, and they had a list, law school or medical school. Yeah. And she realized, this girl that happened to be a friend of mine, that she didn't want that route. She was in pre-med and she was like, I can't stand the sight of blood, but the blood is like, well, go be a lawyer. And she was like, no, don't want to do that either. And so, you know, that invoked a family conversation yeah. and a lot of stuff where it was like, not even, you know, family, not even realizing like the bondage that a well-intended person. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I, and I, she had asked me, but she goes, well, you're a medium, you know, would my, is my grandpa going to kill me if I don't go to law school? And I said, well, no, he's going to kill you. Plus he's dead. So no, he's not going to kill you. <laughs> He just wanted the best education for you and giving you money to not have to worry about debt right. was the intention. And so, you know, it's something where, again, one of the things I love about being a medium is being able to get some answers from people. Right. And in case you're wondering, you know, a lot of times people will always give me something so that the person here living knows for sure the person we're talking to is dead, is, is their loved one. So it might be like the scent of gardenias as an example, or it might be like sharing, like there was someone a couple of years ago that said something and called his mom by a certain name. And I was finishing up the session and I said, da da da. And I just popped out of my mouth. Yeah. And she goes, Oh my God. Nobody knows that. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, and she's got tears streaming down her face. And she's like, like, you just made my whole year. And she's like, is he okay? And I said, yeah, he's good. He wants you to, you know, and so then, you know, we have this whole reading, which was not the point of the session at all, but she just was like, and I said, yes. And so we're walking through all that. You know, but again, it's hard for us to step into, as you said, when you're indifferent, what do you do? You step back. Yeah. Because people will have their moments someday. And I want to make it very clear. If you're in a space where you're dealing with somebody who is stuck, 
live your life. Do not wait for that person. And it is not cruel to live your life because that person, right, um, will eventually have their come to Jesus. Something will happen for them that they will crack wide open. Yeah. And drop the expectations about what you need. Like, and I always tell them, like, you know, if someone's being ugly with you, that hurt people hurt people. And oftentimes, if someone is deeply hurting and they don't want to deal with grief, but grief is the biggest one, or they don't want to deal with anger, they're one cracking into a lifetime of stuff. So it's not just that they're cracking into like that specific death, but they're also cracking into regrets. They're cracking into maybe being bullied as a child, maybe being abandoned as a child, et cetera, et cetera. And so you know, I always tell them, like, step back, you know, send them love, send them prayer, send them Reiki, send, do whatever you want to do. That's not violating their energy and love on them, but from here and keep going. Okay. Because they will eventually have something happen where they have to, they're on their knees. You cannot, out, you, cannot, you cannot run your emotions to a certain point, but you cannot outrun, outrun. Right. There will be a point where you, um, you have to stop running. And I knew someone a couple of years ago that, um, you know, both of her parents about five years apart had passed away before she was 18. And she was being raised by a relative and his wife and neither one of them were in any way like equipped to deal with grief, et cetera. Sure. She graduated high and she would say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she graduated high school and was like, you know, not in the mood to party, et cetera. just, you know, having a hard time getting there. And everybody just kind of assumed it was like, well, she's graduating high school and she's going to college. And it's a huge transition. And we're all talking about it. Mm -hmm. And she, the next day was completely paralyzed by grief. And like this whole thing, like graduation just cracked her wide open. Yeah. And someone that reached out to, I found out about it because somebody, you know, it was like a reach out of a reach out. And I said, she's got to grieve. Mm -hmm. And I said, she needs a therapist. She needs a coach. She needs somebody to just, first, she just needs to vomit all out. Yeah. I said, so it's kind of like being drunk and you realize you get to the point where you're like, you just realize you just need to throw up and just be done. And so she needs to just throw up and just get all the out of her system. She needs to sob till she can't breathe. Like basically she needs to sob and cry and scream and yell till she falls asleep is what it falls down to. Like she's so exhausted that she just, mm. and then you pick up the pieces. I said, by that time, she's probably going to have a nasty migraine. <laughs> yeah. And I said, once she, you know, give that 24 hours to abate. That was the first part of the two partner that's coming your way. Uh, great stuff in part number two. Stay tuned for that. I mentioned uh, the last couple episodes that there was going to be some live streaming done up on YouTube. That will be coming this Sunday. This should be coming out on Wednesday here. And so stay tuned for that. If you want to know the particular times, go up to the Facebook page, take a look around and get the times and join me live on Sunday evening. Uh, it'll be fun. It's going to be almost like the Wild West. So stay tuned okay as always we have our voicemail uh you can leave us a message uh, tell us what guests you want what guests you like uh how much you love me and get on up there the phone number is 971-205-2464 971-205-2464 and and you can always email us at midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com, midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com. So, kitties, this is the end of the episode. Uh, before I ride off into the sunset, uh, let me tell you that these, this interview is fantastic. Part two is a slam dunk. You're going to love it. All right? As we ride off into the sunset, I just want to tell you all, be kind to each other and to yourself, and a reader dare show.